Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm your host today, Blake Benz. Been running this humble little podcast for about five years now, looking to bring you the actionable, practical advice here on the show. I was reading a post on LinkedIn today of somebody talking about how they don't like business books because it's a lot of theoretical stuff. It's a lot of, you know, what I would do or what could work or what have you. And really, the heart and soul of this podcast is the actionable, practical stuff, stuff that actually makes sense to help you grow your business. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, I can promise you this, you're going to find value from today's episode. We're going to be talking about why content is so important in your sales. More importantly, why it matters so much for your own brand and growing your business long-term. We're going to be digging into why it's important, how you can do it, what are the best ways to manage it. All that and more is on today's show. But first, before we dive in, we have a word from one of the amazing businesses that sponsor the podcast. We love our advertisers on the show because it allows me to keep doing what I love, which is basically rambling about business on the podcast. And if you've been thinking about advertising yourself, you can always reach out at Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. There, my pitch is done. Uh, let's dive over to a quick word from the ad sponsor and then we'll be right back very soon. There's one single piece of advice that I give to business owners who are ready to scale their business drastically. And that's knowing exactly what you need to hand off so that you can continue focusing on what you're an expert in. It amazes me when I talk to business owners who are doing their own bookkeeping and tax prep. And worse, that they're going through all of this paperwork at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, even midnight, slaving away trying to make sense of all of the numbers for their business. Business owners who are making it happen have already figured out that you can't do it all yourself. That's why I recommend Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions. Not only is he an expert in bookkeeping and tax prep, but what I love about Steve is that he'll sit down with you and help you make sense of the value of your business beyond just reading a spreadsheet. You'll be able to make better decisions, and more importantly, you're going to save yourself the crucial time you would have spent going through QuickBooks or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is that keeps us up late at night. So save yourself some time and some money by giving Steve Lay a call at Equity Business Solutions, and he'll show you the value beyond your numbers. Go to EquityBusinessSolutionsLLC.com to find out more. All right, let's talk about content. Let's talk about the thing that this this might be the thing that I think business owners universally know about and equally avoid. Um, most of us, we, we have moments in our business where we're like, oh man, I really got to post on social media. Oh man, I really got to do that. Oh, I need to make a, you know, the latest one is, oh, I got to make a TikTok account. Or I had a guy who was like, yeah, you know, I got to get on the TikTok. And I was like, well, you know, your first step would be to stop calling it the TikTok. You know, it's just TikTok. Whatever you're thinking about, whatever is top of mind, you can know that if part of your New Year's resolutions or your latest business goal revolved around being more active on social media, you can know that you're in great company. 
Uh, this is one of the most common things I talk to business owners about. It's one of the most common pain points that people bring up is, hey, I know I have this amazing service, but not enough people know about it. Not enough people are reaching out to me about it. How do I get found? I'm kind of sick of going out and, and going to networking events or cold calling people or praying that that God would bring me a customer. You don't want people to find me for once. So if you've been thinking about that, if you've been thinking about social media, what have you, you know, not chasing after your customers, but them coming to you, I want to talk about content. Now we're, we're not going to talk so much about how content at a high level uh, can get you sales. We're not going to talk about how content at a high level can get you just naturally, um, you know, uh, that, that it can develop momentum for you in terms of inbound leads. I think that part is kind of a, a no brainer. Um, I don't think I've really ever met a business owner who has genuinely felt like creating content on social media was bad for them or bad for their business. So we're not going to spend so much time talking about, is it good for your business or not? I, I think if we were going to measure it or put some kind of qualifier on it, we would say in most cases, it's better for your business than not. I want to talk though about buying behavior and why content matters so much for your brand more than it does cold outreach. You know, when we talk about brand, I think a lot of times when people think of brand, they think of large businesses they think of one day when I'm managing a bunch of people, one day when my business hits seven figures, yeah, you know, that's when brand really matters. Um, or, or if we don't, I don't think necessarily think that brand doesn't matter. It's more of those like, oh, when I get to that size, then I will start thinking about it. I've been a big fan in the recent years of the micro things that we assume aren't that meaningful that actually are pretty valuable for your business. Brand is one of those things. It's something that even when your brand is small, it can make a big difference in your business. The same thing is true for, you know, getting back on the topic of social media content. Somebody who gets a hundred thousand comments, or excuse me, comments, that'd be insane. <laughs> Somebody who gets a hundred thousand views of a video is probably feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, I've had video, I put out a video just a few weeks ago that got a hundred and ninety-five thousand views on it. That made me feel pretty good. And I felt like, you know, man, I'm I'm I must be doing pretty good, right? There's also videos that I've put out that have gotten maybe 2,000 views. In fact, and this is this is kind of the wild world of content, by the way. I've had content that I've put out that I have felt amazing about. I have felt like this is a great piece of content, and then it gets 50 views. Or actually, I put something out the other day that I don't know how this is possible. It literally got zero views. Now, part of me, I do know a little bit of how this is possible in the sense of there are ways that the algorithm for various social media platforms that they work against you. If you've ever noticed you're, you're like you're on YouTube or you're scrolling through Instagram or something and someone reads, uh, they're saying the word like kill, for example, um, 
they may they may bleep themselves or they may on the auto captions they may blur the word or put an asterisk in for i you know what have you whenever you see that you might have wondered like you know why do people do that what's going on there well more often than not they're trying to play around the algorithm to keep their content piece from being immediately for lack of a better phrase banned across all their other content platforms against the people that they want to see it right beginning to the point i've had content that gets 200 300 400 views that then directly leads to a sale or or it leads to a referral uh, this really great connection with someone meanwhile i've had content that's done really well again tens of thousands of views that has gone nowhere so what i've learned from this is that a lot of times we think that things have to have that large number ascribed to it for it to be meaningful when really the small stuff can often be just as valuable for your business. The same thing is true when we talk about brand. A lot of times we think that when we when we think about brand, that this has to be a big picture thing. It's got to be for massive businesses. When really, if you can manage your micro brand, if you can manage your brand when it's small, how much better off your business will be when you've built that foundation and it actually grows into something else. So all that to say, it's never too early to start thinking about content for your business. It's never too early and you're, you're not wasting time. If you start investing in a content platform for your business, which even saying content platform, that, that makes it sound a little bit high up in the clouds. Um, a content strategy for your business would be a better way to put it. So I think what I want to start with today, I want to talk about buying behavior. And let's start with just a very simple marketing concept, the no like, and trust factor. This is something that is almost universally known in the marketing world. If you've been in a business, if you've been working in your business for a while, you've probably heard this before. The basic concept of no like, and trust is that um, you fall a as a seller of, of goods. You fall in one of those three categories with your prospective buyer. You are either, or technically four, right? Because there's people who have no idea who you are. So that'd be like the first one is you're unknown, <laughs> Then the level beyond that is you're known. Someone at least knows you exist. Um, they saw a post that, you know, hey, we're in business, or they saw a piece of your content, um, or you were at a networking event and you got up and talked about your business and someone was there who thought, oh, I've never heard of this person before. And okay, yeah, I know they exist. So they know about you, but beyond that, their, their relationship with you is so minuscule and their likelihood to buy from you is really only tied to how urgently they need your service. Many times that urgency isn't there, but if you sell something like, you know, hey, I'm a roofer and we specialize in hail damage, and the person who's at an event who's hearing you talk about your business, they literally just had their house pelleted by hail the night before, that person just in knowing you is going to feel the, the, the pathway to buying from you is going to be much more quicker, right? Because there's urgency there. But outside of like situations of urgency, when we think about like a typical selling cycle, you're known as someone talks to you and chats with you. They learn a little bit about you, how you do business, why you do business. Now, these things don't happen in initial conversation. We'll come back to that in a second. But as people get to know you, they decide if they like you. 
and not to make it seem like, you know, high school or something, but contrary to popular belief, it really does matter if someone likes you. Uh, as my friend Brian Sexton would say, he's the author of um, uh, People Buy From People. Um, not only do people buy from people, but if I don't like you, why would I buy from you? Like we like to make business as impersonal as possible when, when really it's just simply not the case. If I don't like you, I am so much less inclined to be interested in anything you have to say. This doesn't mean that like we're best friends or that, you know, we're going to spend all of our days together for eternity. But it does mean that there are some characteristics, there's a way you do business that I resonate with, therefore I like you. The level beyond that then is trusted. No like, and trust. You're trusted. I trust this person. I trust their experience. When they talk about a customer that they helped, I believe them. When they talk about a service that they offer, I believe that it does what they say it will do. Um, you know, when they talk about how they can help me, I, I believe that they're genuine. This is the most powerful position to be in as a seller, because you really, in that position, you're really no longer selling. You're just, you're just providing options to people. You're just giving people advice on here's what it could look like for us to collaborate together. So when someone is in the trusted category, there's very little sales resistance. And more importantly, we've talked about this a lot on the show. When someone is trusted, when people trust you, they're likely to buy from you again and again and again. They're likely to become part of your tribe. They're likely to be a raving fan of your business. Now, if you're a first time listener to the show, we've talked about this concept at length uh, it is, I don't want to get too in the weeds on it. Cause I do bring this up a lot on the podcast, but the premise of it is you don't need thousands upon thousands of customers to become a millionaire, to be a seven figure business. You only need a handful of ravenous fans for your business who so like what you do. They're willing to hire you multiple times. They're willing to pay you what you know you're worth because they see the deep value in it. So when you become trusted for someone, now they are likely to become that repeat customer. They're likely to become that person who wants to buy from you again and again. So every the reason this always comes up in marketing, the reason this comes up at like different events you've maybe been to is because this is one of those universally accepted concepts where as a business owner, you should be thinking about how am I developing that trust factor with my prospective buyer. How do I develop the trust factor and 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 doing that legitimately, authentically? I'm not talking about fake reviews, which some people do. I'm not talking about bot accounts that, you know, spam fake comments on your social media platform, which some people pay for. I'm not talking about even the stuff that's underneath the hood, you know, people, um, who, who pay for some of the less, um, frankly, it's, it's black hat stuff. I mean, it's, it's stuff that Google doesn't like it's stuff that, you know, it's really not something you should be doing. And yet people pay for it because they see it as a, um, short steps to profitability. You know, trust is something you cannot force. And it takes time to build that trust factor. But what if there was a way to make it take a little less time 
than the typical time that it would. Let's think about this for a second. Imagine you're someone who you sell a service and you want to earn your next customer. And there's a pacing for all this, right? I mean, sometimes you'll meet someone, you'll meet someone the first time you meet them, you guys immediately hit it off and you're working together only a month later. And then there's other people who, you know, you rub shoulders with them for three, four, five years, and then they finally hire you. They finally invest in your, in your service. This kind of stuff, by the way, often relates to um, your buyer's timing, like when they're actually ready to buy. We're just going to shelf that concept for a second. Um, and in general, we're going to talk about on average, and, and I'm just going to grab a number, by the way. I don't know what's like statistically true, but let's say someone needs seven interactions from you to build trust with you on average. Again, some people you'll meet immediately. You'll click with them. You know, it's the stepbrothers quote. Um, Did we just become best friends? You know, you'll just, you'll hit it off with someone versus someone who maybe it's 15, 16, 17 interactions before they're ready to buy from you. But if someone needs seven interactions with your brand, not just with you, but with your brand to feel comfortable enough where the trust factor is there for them to buy from you, how do those seven interactions happen? Now, if you're... Um, sales process is phone calls, emails, and coffee get together. Hey, let's catch up and one-to-ones. You are going to have a deeply slow process in converting sales. Why? Because there's only so many, Hey, just checking in. Hey, just catching up. Hey, we'd love to get together. There's only, I mean, I can't even make plans with friends of mine, like real, real life friends. I don't know why I'm saying real life as if I'm implying I have made up friends, but like with real people in my life, I already have to like bend over backwards to get people to not like, you know, like we should get together sometimes like, okay, but are we really going to get together? You know what I'm talking about? Like those friends who are like always, you know, I, I'm, I'm bleeding out too much. I'm like my personal frustrations now, but you know, those people, you're just like, let's get together sometimes. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And you're like, okay, but when, like, when are we going to? When are we going to do this? Right? So this isn't any different with life with people you do business with, uh, schedules change, you know, here in Arkansas, which you could be listening anywhere, but if you're from Arkansas, you would know that with the slightest amount of snow and ice, everything shuts down. Every meeting gets canceled. People don't want to leave their house. Um, it's pretty wild actually. So I was out headed to, I had two meetings yesterday. I was out, I was, my little neighborhood has a little bit of snow. I mean, a little bit, there's, there's snow on the road. You can't see the road. So I pull out of my driveway. I'm kind of sliding around. I get on the main road, which is cleared. Um, and my meeting texts me, Hey, you know, it's not going to happen. Let's reschedule. Okay. Whatever. The next meeting, same exact thing happens. This is just Arkansas weather. People just, you know, like I said, when it snows here, they're like, I'm out. For that reason, I'm out. I'm done. So if you're following a traditional method of becoming trusted with someone, you are at the mercy of their calendar. And you're also at the mercy of their willingness to get together with you. Not to mention, not to make it weird where it's like, you know, do I like you enough to have coffee with you? But very simply, just, just talking plainly, no prospective customer is going to get coffee with you more than once a quarter. It, it just isn't what happens. 
No one's going to say, hey, this was great. Do you want to get together next week? It just it just is not what happens. And if you've been in the business world, if you've been in the networking world, you you know that's true. You, the people who genuinely like you will maybe sit down with you for lunch or coffee, maybe every quarter, maybe every few months if they really like you. It's just life just moves fast, right? You just, you just don't have, it just doesn't happen, right? So then think for a second that you are having a traditional, um, uh, my kids are playing with some kind of car right outside of my door, which you can probably hear. Um, if, if you're doing a traditional sales process, do the math on this. If you need seven touch points for someone to buy from you and your process is coffee, we're talking once a quarter. Let's just be generous. Let's say once every three months, seven touch points. We're talking 21 months, 21 months for someone to feel comfortable enough with you, at least to feel trusted with you to buy from you. Even cutting that in half, let's say it's three or four touch points. Let's say it's four touch points. If you get coffee every three months with someone, it's still going to take them a year to buy from you. That is an incredibly slow process for growing your business in a meaningful way. Now, does some of this compound on itself? Will great customers lead to referrals and even more customers? Will people buy from you much more quickly? Of course, these things happen. But again, we're talking about purchases and sales with people who have a very cool or cold stance to you. I don't mean that personally. I mean, like it's, it's a cold customer. They just don't know anything about you converting that person to um, ultimately becoming a raving fan. So now think of it from the perspective of content. If you are using content correctly, then people now are having more touch points with you, even without you realizing it. I was at an event and a woman walked up to me and it was like a networking event. This woman walked up to me and she goes, Hey, you don't know me, but LinkedIn really wants you to know me or wants me to know you. <laughs> and I, I laughed and was like, Oh really? And she's like, yeah, you are all over my feed. And I was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that LinkedIn is doing that. But you know, we just, we're giving each other a hard time about it, but you know, people are going to see your content that you never even realized saw it. People are going to engage with you and they're going to learn about you and they're going to decide if you're trustworthy through your content. So then what does that look like if you are a small business owner? Let's get first things, just things out of the way from the get go. If social media or let's say content is just something that you're disinterested with or it's not your skill set, you can't navigate a computer you have no interest in doing the work aside from your actual job or service. You know, let's say you run a, a local store and you have zero interest doing anything other than that store. Then what I'm about to say is really pretty useless for you because there will never be a world where you become the content king or the content queen. It'll just never happen. That's not to discourage you or to say like, you know, hey, turn off the podcast. Um, that's to say, if that isn't you, that's why you need to hire someone. That's why you really need to invest in an outside service 
someone who knows it, who does it for a living, who's passionate around that stuff, simply because um, you will always be limited by how many touch points people have with your brand. So that's one thing to think about. On the flip side, though, if you're someone who you're willing to engage with this, you're willing to pull on that thread and think about, okay, what would content look like for my business? I want to give some options and I want to talk this through. Now, again, the whole premise here is that you are creating something that people can engage with aside from a direct sit down with you or a direct phone call with you or a direct correspondence, email chain, what have you. You're creating opportunities for people to see you, engage with you, decide if they like you. And if they've had enough of those engagements, decide that you are trustworthy. Now, the beauty of all this, when you do it really well, is not only are people saying, man, LinkedIn really wants you to know me. But you have people reaching out. I had somebody who reached out to me. I'd never met them before. And they reached out and said, hey, uh, I want to talk about advertising in your podcast. And I, and because I had never interacted with this person before, now all of a sudden I was thinking like, well, do I, do I even want to advertise your business? Like, I, I need to learn more about you. Like, who are you? Like, tell me about your business. What's going on here? Um, it was kind of a funny conversation because it was like, okay, this is a little bit different than what I'm used to. But that's the beauty of when content works well for you is because people will begin to want to buy from you without even you having had any action interactions with them. You've had zero interactions, but they've had five or six already with you. That's kind of the weird funniness of all this. So you have a few options. You have a number of, um, if you think about like a smaller sweaty startup kind of cash flowing type of business. It's not uncommon to see like yard signs. Uh, there's one for a um, gutter cleaner that I see literally all over Fayetteville. So, I mean, I've had probably 12 touch points with this company now. I mean, stuff like that's very simple. Uh, it's boots on the ground kind of style that's not digital, but it's something to create those touch points with you. Uh, a friend of mine, he's an amazing guy uh, who does pest control. Um, now some of this, <laughs> actually, now that I'm saying this, this is, some of this is like borderline. It's like, uh, maybe you shouldn't do this. I don't know, but, uh, he'll go and he'll go to like Lowe's or home Depot and he'll slip his business card into like some of the pest control boxes, or I don't know how he phrased it, but again, I'm not, I'm not saying you should do that by the way, if, if there's any like legal ramifications of this, Hey, don't do anything that's illegal or would get you in trouble. But this is an example of like a non-digital approach to creating touch points with people, things that people can see that are tangible, that they can engage with to know more about your brand without you having to physically be involved in it. That's kind of the, the, the thinking behind all of this. So yard signs, billboards, even um, I'm not really all that um, wild about billboards only because billboards are typically expensive uh, they typically get eyes on your business from a lot of people who would never have been your customer anyway. And I typically only approach billboards from like a, you know, big brand perspective of I have cash to burn and I want as many people as possible to engage with my product. That's not necessarily to knock billboards, even though I literally just did. Um, but they do fall in that bucket of these non-digital things, right? 
sometimes you also for touch points you get um snail mail things like that i'm i'm also i'm really not a fan of any of that stuff most of it's junk uh culturally speaking when people see that stuff when they get that stuff they're often more annoyed at your business than they are interested um i'm literally whenever i go get my mail i thumb through it to see if there's anything that's handwritten or from a return address that um looks like a real human being and then everything else goes in the trash i don't even open it it literally does not even get opened so um and that's you know we're not talking about necessarily effective ways to do this we're talking about things that are tangible and non-digital so even in today's culture there are things you can be can be doing that are non-digital if you want to reach more people and you want to reach people faster, you want to build that trust factor faster, you really ought to think about what's my digital approach to content. There's a few things you can do here. One of them is social media content. I have learned more and more that people, um, I think this is one of the hardest ones for people to get a grip on because most people, when they think about social media, I think of like the bank who posts a picture of like their bank lobby and they're like, come see us. And like, we did social media. That's really not social media. I mean, it's a touch point, but it's really not doing anything. And, and maybe this is a separate episode entirely where we really dig into like how people approach social media. Um, I don't think I'm great at social media. I do think I'm better than probably maybe 60 to 70% of, um, uh, of people who've never tried it. Now, there's then on the flip side, the, the people who use social media, I'm probably in the bottom tier, right? I mean, there's people who really understand it well and use it well. Point being, you know, the bare minimum you can do is like the lobby photo or you're at your desk and, you know, hey, we've been in business this long. That, that stuff you can do. But really finding content that's inter interesting. And you might be surprised on this one. I think a lot of people think that interesting content has to be well-produced content, and it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, I just had uh, Jenna Lurkin on the podcast. Um, she runs a bakery out of uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, she actually has two locations. She has a second one in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, her bakery is called JL Patisserie, and she has 100,000 followers on Instagram just from posting like funny funny videos on her Instagram about her business. Um, I knew I see stuff on Facebook all the time. People who are like plumbers, electricians who are like, I saw one of a roofer who was on a roof and he was pointing out all the things that you can look for, for bad roofers that they don't want you to know about and just stuff. Like I'm never going to be on a roof. I'm never going to be checking this myself, but it was interesting enough for me to engage with their brand. So stuff like that, when people talk about social media, that's really what effective content looks like. And frankly, great social media content involves engaging with other people. There's a lot of people that engage with me on LinkedIn who I've never met in person. We just have a friendship through LinkedIn, and that's come through engaging with people on LinkedIn. So social media is one opportunity. A second one is an email campaign. Campaigns too is is not the right. It isn't the right word because um, campaign implies there's like a uh, a duration to it. Like when you're done with it, uh, a newsletter would be a better word. A monthly newsletter, weekly newsletter, whatever it is, you send it out. Here's what's going on. Some interesting things you might care about. Yada yada. yada. Um, 
you would think that maybe this wouldn't go anywhere. Is, is email dead? I don't know. Um, the answer is that the answer is that email actually does pretty well still. Uh, the guy who created the Morning Brew just had this amazing. I think it was like a forty million dollar collaboration with um, HubSpot. Morning Brew was a business email that started, uh, I think, maybe four or five years back, and has grown into one of the main business newsletters out there. Um, I myself. I uh, have around 150 people on my newsletter. Um, it's just people that I said, "Hey, do you want to come? On this you want to be on this newsletter?" And they're like, "Sure," <laughs> you know. And that number has oscillated over time. Um, pretty small newsletter list, but all people who personally know me. And again, when we talk about like getting interested in like numbers, I think this is why it's so hard for people to go down the the pathway of thinking about content is because we are so drawn by numbers. It's like, oh, I made a post. It either didn't make me money or it didn't go viral. So it wasn't worth my time. I have made more money on this newsletter with 150 people on it than I have. I mean, I have a customer right now who has a newsletter with 5,000 people on it and he's not monetizing it at all. He hasn't made any money on it. He's not making any sales on it. So understand there's a difference between being totally interested in vanity metrics and understanding the value of people who are connecting with you, who are moving through that cycle of becoming, of seeing you as a trusted partner. But newsletter is one example of something you can be doing. And then lastly, the one that I'm obviously incredibly biased about is podcasting. Podcasting is a great opportunity to grow your brand, to grow your business, and you'd be surprised the number of niche podcasts that are out there. You know, people who tell me, oh, who would want to listen to my podcast? Well, if you're passionate about it and you're actually talking about interesting things, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many people uh, will tune into a podcast. I mean, you know, people tune into mine. I don't really say anything all that interesting, uh, but people, they check it out week after week, episode after episode. But podcasting, uh, not only is it creating pretty awesome touch points for you, but you can cut up your clips into smaller sections that you then share on social media. And so now your 30 minute podcast becomes seven, eight, nine, 10 pieces of content for you. And that's another piece about content is whenever you approach content, you really have to approach it from the mentality of if this piece of content is a sponge how do I squeeze this as much as possible to get as many pieces of content out of it? And th this is because the content game, it's all about, it's a game of consistency and it's a game of micro gains. You're, you're, you're probably just not going to be that person who posts something or, or publishes an episode or sends out an email that goes viral. If it was that easy, if just doing it, if you were likely for that to happen, it wouldn't be called going viral. It would just be an assured thing. Virility. Can I use it that way? <laughs> Virility is rare. It's like when I talk to startup, or this is like a cliche in the startup world of like, you know, we're looking to become that unicorn business. We're looking to be the next Uber, what have you. And it's like, these things are called, these things are called unicorns because they're mythical. They don't exist. They don't happen. And the same thing, the same thing is true about your content and that's, it's pretty unlikely you're going to post or create anything that goes viral. You know, you want to drastically lower your expectations with that. So on the same, on that thread of, of talking about this, 
you can't spend two or three hours of your time on a piece of content. That's first and foremost true. But secondly, you have to find a way to really pull out as much value as possible from your content as you possibly can. In the early days of Good Advice and the Good Advice podcast, man, I would spend, I think an episode would be like a little bit over an hour. And then I would spend two, three hours editing the podcast episode. I mean, I would go through it painstakingly. And then when I'd have a guest on the show, a guest would come on for about an hour. I'd spend another two or three hours editing the episode. And then I would go through and I would cut out like eight, nine, 10 clips for this person who really, you know, in the early days, I think people came on because they were like, yeah, I'll come on your podcast, but they, they weren't going to be my hype man. They weren't going to really, no, I actually, I, now that I say that I did have a few guests early on who were like, Hey, this was great. Let me, let me bring on a couple of my friends, but for the most part, people aren't going to come on your show and be like, Whoa, I, I want as many clips as possible. I'm going to share about this for the next month. No, they're going to take a clip you send them. They're going to share about it and then they're going to forget about it. They're going to go back to working on whatever it is they're working on. But in the early days, I mean, I was spending half a day on one episode. There's no way I was making any money, right? Because I was burning all of my time on content rather than understanding that content is, it's a consistency game. It's a numbers game, not numbers in terms of engagement, but in terms of your time invested into it versus how much meaningful content you can get out of it. And if you're thinking about all this stuff and you're kind of overwhelmed and you're like, man, where do I, where the heck do I go? I, I know I need to do this kind of stuff, but I don't know where to go with it. Reach out to me, shoot me an email, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. If nothing else, that's not a sales pitch. If nothing else, I can at least send you in the right direction. I had a guy who messaged me the other day. He said, Hey, I'm doing some content, but like my microphone's all off. Can you look at my microphone? Can you look at my audio and tell me what you think about it? So I looked at it and I was like, Hey, yeah, I think this is what's going on. I hope this helps. I hope this gives you a hand. You know, but you can reach out to me, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. And despite nothing else, if you want to grow your business in a meaningful way, if you want to scale your business in a meaningful way, you have to go in on content and have a content strategy to engage with people, even when you're not present. Otherwise you're going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck only impacting as many people as you can touch in a day, as many coffee meetings as you can book as many one-to-ones as you can schedule, as many emails that you can send back and forth. There's only so much you can do. The flip side of that is, you know, these automated programs that send out hundreds of emails a day, but you and I both know that kind of stuff doesn't build meaningful relationships with your buyers. And I'm all about the trust factor. I'm all about high relationships with people who want to do business with me again and again. And so far, it's doing pretty well for me. Hey, if you enjoyed this, if you, excuse me, if you enjoyed today's episode, you can keep following our podcast it puts out two, three episodes every week. You can check us out on any of the social media plat- platforms as well as on LinkedIn. And, um, that's pretty much it. That's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. Good luck in the content game. See ya.